This is Binod Shankar. You're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA, and more. Now, you would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical, practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered accountant, CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Welcome to episode number seven with Vibhav Jain. Vaibhav did what many bright and ambitious youngsters do in India. He became an engineer and then got an MBA from a top school. He worked at Deutsche Bank in investment banking for four plus years in India and Australia before making an unusual career change and getting into wealth management at Edelweiss Financial Services in Mumbai, where he is now a partner. Yes, and along the way, he got the CFA charter. Vaibhav loves teaching and tutors part-time. He has also learned many lessons along the way, which he'd like to share by mentoring youngsters in finance. So that's how we connected, apart from the shared CFA link, of course. Welcome to the show, Vaibhav. Thank you so much, Binod, for inviting me to your, uh, your, your series of podcasts and really glad to be a part of it and share my experiences uh, with, with the audience. Thanks so much. I've got a lot of questions to ask you. <laughs> sure, sure. Go on. I'm like uh, here to answer all, the, all your questions. Right. First one. First one. You're an engineer, right? I mean, why a career in investments? Ah, that's very interesting, you know. So, if I go back to my schooling days, I was always uh, a, a very good student, but only in the field of mathematics. I used to like numbers, I used to like maths um, a, a lot. But uh, because, so I come from um, a city of uh, Lucknow. Uh, it's a it's a capital city of Uttar Pradesh. And uh, my family background in academics is not that strong. So what happened was that I used to follow herd mentality. What my friends were doing, um, I also did the same. A uh, lot of these guys were actually uh, b- tilting towards science subjects, physics, chemistry, maths. So I also opted for the same. And what after physics, chemistry, maths? You just generally try to get into IITs. Engineering. Engineering. So so I also gave IIT, JE and these all things. And I got into, if I did not go, uh, get into IIT, but I got into a college which is called JP Institute of Information Technology based out of uh, Noida. Right. There I did computer science engineering. But what I observed after first year is that I was not getting much uh, interested in coding and all stuff. And I thought, no, this is not a career which I would be going into, into, into the future. So what I did was in stock market, uh, I started doing the stock market trading and st- following the stock markets, the share prices as well during those, those, those times. And the, you know, the combination of love for the numbers and to solve the stock price fluctuations actually intrigued me a lot. Did you take any money? I started trading in 2010 and the first stock which I bought, I made money. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a good one. And you know, interesting, <laughs> what inter- interesting is that I was in a college which was promoted by Jayaprakash Associates. Right. My first stock investment was Jayaprakash Associates. Okay. Had to be. And unlike now when it is a penny stock, then that point of time it used to trade at at much higher levels, right. but I was lucky to make 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 money in that. So you know, as things happened, 
I was not forced to learn, but as an interest, I made investments as my career option. So actually, interesting because people tell me I'm passionate about finance, and my first question is, have you traded? Have you invested? Have you made a lost <laughs> money? So I, I tell people, you know what? Before you talk about your passion. Try to do something and get your hands dirty, right? Exactly. Uh, Practical knowledge is always above the theoretical knowledge, I would rather <laughs> Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Now, moving on, you spend the next two, first two years, right, uh, of your career doing financial modeling and valuations and being a data analyst. Now, let's go back to financial modeling and valuations. People talk about it a lot. I, I keep saying it's quite important for CFA charter holders, CFA candidates know the skill, right, because it's linked to valuation. How key is the skill and, more importantly, being an engineer, how did you learn this? So, you know, you know um, I have, I had started my career as a data analyst uh, where financial modeling and valuation was not needed at all. But because of my interest in finance and I had uh, started giving CFL level 1 just before I entered my first job with this company as a data analyst. So, I was very much interested into doing financial modeling, valuation and being good with the numbers and Excel also, Microsoft Excel. What I did was I volunteered myself to help the financial uh, services team based in that company. I was in the data analytics department, but I used to do some after hours, after office hours, regular hours uh, modeling for those, those guys. Beyond the call of duty. Beyond the, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the initial two years at that job, I was doing this financial modeling and valuation exercise out of my interest. But then I also followed it up with uh, with similar kind of a role once I joined Deutsche after my MBA. So all in all, a total of more than six years of experience with uh, with financial modeling. And you know, yeah, you are right that coming from a background of an engineer, um, but what happened was that uh, because I had already learned few concepts in the CFA level 1 and with the help of the mentors, the help of my seniors, managers over there, I actually learned the, 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 the techniques, tools and techniques. It's actually nothing but you need to be good with the, your financial modeling, the, the Excel skills basically and then you gradually learn with, the, with your job. Right. So, I, but as you asked how important this, this field is, I think modeling and valuation knowledge is extremely important for anyone who is trying to enter the fields like investment banking, equity research or even a private equity, you know, uh, to just be a star stock picker. And I learned this skill from mainly reading books, uh, CFA curriculum as I, as I already uh, spoke about mm. and some online materials. Mm. Uh, one very good resource, uh, I would say, what I figured out was Ashwat Damodaran's blog. Oh, he's, he's the guru of valuation. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So, you have the theory from there, you apply it on your Excel and you are a, you are a valuer, you are a financial modeler. Correct, right? correct. amazing. Right? So, one question I would ask you, right? Uh, where did you get the idea for CFA? Okay. And from whom? <laughs> okay. So, see, I have actually done two MBAs. Right. Uh, just to tell the, tell the public. Uh, the second MBA is from IIM Indore, obviously. The first MBA was actually a part of, so I did my engineering as I told you from this college, but that was a part of a five-year integrated course. It was a B.Tech plus MBA. Uh, there were some reasons why I enrolled for the, this course, but uh, when I was doing this, my MBA from JP Business School, there used to be a professor who used to come and who used to teach at IIMs. He was a visiting faculty. That was in year 2009, a year after the crisis. So I thought, and, and I, I got to know that even the students from colleges like IIM, Ahmedabad, Bangalore, Calcutta and all these premier B schools were getting, were finding difficult to get a job in the market. Why would someone hire me from, uh, you know, mm. a, a tier, not a tier 1 college or, or not even a tier 2 college. Mm. So I thought I need to have something extra. Mm. 
that professor when i went to him i asked sir what i can i what can i do extra then he introduced me to cfa i had not heard about cfa till that point of time that was in 2009 and when he told me that okay this is something which you can do to actually uh, ac uh, you know with your with your colleagues with your batchmates you can uh, have a little extra edge correct so i thought okay let me try this Okay. So that was the first time I heard about CFA. It's interesting from you say that, Vibha, because uh, what a CFA into itself has found out is most a lot of people start CFA or first hear of CFA from the university dean or professor or faculty. That's when they get their first you know knowledge about okay there is some qualification like this yeah. for CFA. Right. So right now we will spark CFA for the time being. Let's talk about MBA. Right. You did uh, the first MBA. We, you already touched upon the second MBA you did. Awesome. I am Indian Institute of Management in Doha. Yeah. Uh, why that second MBA, and what was uh, so valuable about the second MBA? So going to the point, why second MBA? Um, actually, this was the question all the these MBA colleges when I was giving cat for the <laughs> interview, they were asking, "Boss, you have already done one MBA. Why the second MBA? Why the hell second MBA now?" The only college you know I remember who did not ask me why the second MBA was I am Ahmedabad. Okay. I had I had qualified for I am Ahmedabad interview, could not make it to the final list. Because later on, I realized that there are a lot of people who give who sit for the second MBAs from IIM Ahmedabad. So this was a regular for them. But coming back to the topic, so what happened was that um, when I joined this company called the Smart Cube as a data analyst, which I spoke about, um, I was uh, all already interest. I had already given CFA level one. When I was doing that job, I had also also cleared CFA level two. but uh, i wasn't getting a core finance job when i say about core finance job it might be an equity research mm -hmm. and investment mm -hmm. banking kind of a role right the generally the hr used to say that okay cfa is okay but have you done any mba have you done mba so i had done mba but that mba was a part of a five year degree not a proper mba which they considered mm -hmm. and suddenly i realized that if i want to make something big in life in the finance finance industry right. getting an mba from a, a premier institute is a is a is a, is a must have kind of a thing mm. I won't say it's a must have but it's mm. it was a very good to have right. because one and then I thought I'll okay I'll write cat mm. um I common admissions the, test the common test. admissions test which yeah. actually takes you to IIMs and all those things right and uh, then I decided I to be very honest I did not study for it I'll mm. be very very honest with you and because for my love of numbers and all I thought that I can clear the mathematics part I always struggled with the English part mm. but by God's grace I got good percentile and I finally went to IIM Indore to do the second MBA. You know once you get into a college then there's no looking back. Okay, second MBA if you have if you you are there then let's do it. Right, a better brand mm. and mm. lots of lots of things. Mm. Mm. So that was my reason for doing the second MBA. Mm. Now your second question was that how that what, 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 what yeah. did I learn from yeah. uh, from MBA? I can compare I am Indore's MBA very well with other colleges because I have done twice. The first MBA was purely focusing on the theory because it was a new college. Mm. The there were not like the student group communities and uh, alumni network, alumni network and all these. So it became exactly. So yeah. it became just like a nine to five classroom coaching, classroom center. At five pm, they would just shut down the doors and people were just like left for home. in the second mba when i reached i had already studied all the concepts anyways because i'd done one mba and also i by that time i had read i had cleared two levels of cfa so i knew that okay now let me concentrate on the practical aspects of the thing mba teaches you the practical aspects right how do you communicate how do you what's your body language uh, should be and how you generally learn the management techniques of the things 
so what i focused was morely on the practical aspects and i'll i'll tell you in i am indore we have a we have a club and community kind of things which are student run so this voyage capital was it's it's called voyage capital it was a student run mutual fund because i was already interested into finance mutual funds investment industry and all those things i thought let me get into this community uh, this, this committee uh, and uh, when i joined that i really enjoyed whatever i was doing and then in the second year i became head of that i was nominated the head of that because i was doing a lot of work i'll be very honest i did not do a proper study and i did not i wasn't a brilliant student at iim indore simply i would say for the reason that i knew that i just had to study finance courses mm. Mm. right i had to make a career in finance i would not give your uh, uh, listeners this this view that you can take uh, studies lightly but i did that but entire one and a half to two years i just concentrated on running that voyage capital so that was kind of a startup venture for me and i'm going to interject here because during our pre podcast discussion you mentioned something very interesting which i think a lot of listeners would resonate with you said that you had this huge fear of public speaking yeah. and managing this voyage funded i am indoor yeah actually where you had to stand up in front of 100 200 yeah. 300 uh, students <laughs> and explain to them how their fund or how their money was doing yeah actually helped you a lot so we know that as you said yeah i was always a fear you know i had a fear of public speaking um but uh, i am always i am that kind of a person who will identify what my weaknesses are and will try to overcome it so when i heard about this uh, voice capital thing obviously this is something which i loved but it would also give me an exposure to do something which is la- which is a public speaking thing so when i became the secretary of it which is the head position uh, i organized a monthly interaction with all my volunteer investors those who had invested 1000 bucks 2000 bucks uh, they used to be present in that evening sessions and i used to tell them how the fund is doing and uh, how what strategies did we apply and some techniques about fundamental analysis and all those things it helped me to overcome that fear initial i remember initial one or two or three times my legs and hands were yeah, trembling it and it happens to everybody now i realize but this is also my suggestion to lot of uh, listeners as mm. well i mean you, there are lot of people i have seen like about 90 95% people who would be afraid of public speaking but till the time you do that and you do that twice or thrice you'll never overcome that fear like always say just stand up in front of a crowd exactly. and say exactly and be it you are 20 yeah. years old or a 35 or a 40 year old Correct. everybody gets nervous in front of a crowd Correct. it's just a practice Right. So, by this stage in your career, you have an engineering degree. You had, uh, you've had uh, the the MBA in finance, and you finished the CFA as well by then. The level three, I think you wrote the level three as well. Yeah. Before we go to the next question of mine, what were the, the how, how did you find CFA, or specifically, what are the three challenges maybe that you had in CFA, and how did you crack it? Because coming from an engineering background, suddenly doing you know a tough uh, CFA is a tough course, right? What are the three challenges that you can think about? I know some time ago mm-hmm. that, uh, and I'm, sh- I'm sure listeners would be very keen to know three challenges that you faced and how did you resolve them? So coming from an engineering background, as or mostly the listeners would know that CFA comprises of ten different topics, mm-hmm. uh, testing candidates in ten different areas. What I have observed is that the people who come from a commerce background will find quantitative techniques a bit difficult. Similarly, for me. as an engineer i found economics very difficult mm. 
I found some portions of FRA very difficult. You must have loved derivatives. And I had loved quantitative techniques and derivatives, and I was like very sad when the QT, the quantitative techniques, was not in level three. This is very secret because I hate derivatives. Oh, is it? <laughs> I come from a commerce background, obviously. Okay, okay, all right. But then you would, uh, you would know because you loved. Uh, quantitative techniques you said you hated derivatives because an engineer would love all the, exactly. both of these topics right. because it's most of the maths and formulae and all those things but uh, as a yeah you are right as an in, uh, engineering background the guy i hated economics and uh, fra and to be very honest i still hate them mm-hmm. somehow i managed to pass them happens i got between 50 70 or whatever i don't even remember for all the levels but still i would never go back and uh, volunteer myself to teach or to study right. subjects like economics so the first first uh, lesson or the first learning was that you know basically you were strong because you were strong in quants because of engineer and derivatives and top topic like that and i think fra also you didn't have much of an issue right you said that because i did not have much of an issue maybe mm-hmm. in second level there were few topics where you know multinational uh, mm-hmm. with whether the company which is listed in lot of geographies how to do the reporting because they are rule based kind of a thing i was never a student who would love to mug up things it's, it's very interesting so that because i've taught quite a few engineers in my cfa class and they all without exception had difficulties mugging up rules because <laughs> in engineering you always ask about cause and effect exactly. there's a logic to it there's a logic to it whereas in fra there's a us gap this ifr is just for the rules <laughs> okay you need to you need to uh, put in your dividend income into cash flow from financing activities in us uh, probably in ifrs and us gap But why? Yeah. Who made yeah. that rule? Why should I so, learn about so, that? So my suggestion was, don't ask why. Just <laughs> just mug up. Just mug up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what else did you? What are, What are the challenges you face in the CFA journey? So. Um, level 2 i would remember so, so just i just told you about the subject wise difficulty mm, which i mm, faced mm. uh there was also time it's 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 a story in itself in cfa level 1 just uh, before uh, the exam uh, you know i did not have a good there was some family emergency happened so i did not get a good time to study for level 1 i do i cleared it when level 2 i was giving level 2 then there was this uh, uh, office commitment i was put into a project where i was wasn't getting leaves and all this was a challenge and i to be honest i studied cfa level 2 in just around 17 days okay listeners just to be just to put no no i am i'm just <laughs> warning you cannot normally pass cfa level 2 by studying for 17 days let me add to this let me add to this Please for the for the so i after studying cfa level 1 I was very much intrigued. What more CFA can offer? I mean, this is what is okay. I mean, what what is there in CFA level two? So I purchased the book right on the first day when I registered for it, right? And I was studying from the curriculum books rather than Schweizer or other kind of notes. I didn't even I hadn't even heard about Schweizer. I'll be very honest. So I was reading this um, uh, curriculum books and started in September for the June exam, and I took one month for each of the six books. By the time March ended, when I picked when there was like seventeen days left. and i thought let's go back to the curriculum books and i was like i had not you you would agree that you need to revise all these uh, lot of times and when there is no time it was was very difficult for me to go through the entire six books in 17 days this is what when someone told me about the the coaching materials and all those things and then i studied so i won't say that i just passed in 17 days right. i had already built up a lot of so uh, i think the second point would be study regularly and yes. study early and start early and, uh, and study consistently so you know every day whether i came back to home after work at 11 pm or 8 pm it was my habit of just sitting for at least 2 hours 
every night to just just have don't lose the focus don't have that break in the momentum so be it till from 11 pm to 1 am i would every day pick up the books even on the weekdays and study this is what a suggestion i would also like to give to the audience that right. never break the momentum right So now let's we'll go back to the the career track. Yeah, about, yeah. Uh, the brief diversion to CFA. So you've done your CFA. Uh, the world's what do you call the gold standard in investment management education. You have an MBA from one of India's premier management colleges. Mm-hmm. So what are the three advantages of having both a CFA and an MBA? And is it essential that people do CFA and MBA? Yes, CFA and MBA, CA or MBA, always or, or a CA or a CFA. These combinations always uh, do work. for me how mba and a cfa both has helped is that even today in india mba from a tier 1 college holds more value than even being a cfa level 3 pass that may sound a little unfortunate but that that's true that's uh, this that's uh, probably because cfa is just slowly building up its respect exactly. in india yes right? yes yeah. yes it might be something different in us or uk or other countries but in india i'm talking about the india perspective right, right? so however in a college you know there are uh, hundreds of students fighting to get those coveted roles in their favorite domain favorite companies being a cfa acts as a strong catalyst mm, mm. and you are among the most preferred actually mm. so i remember in my batch of 450 students only 3 were cfa level 3 mm. and we were the most preferred candidates over there but this same cfa level 2 or level 3 did not help me when i was not in mba mm, so this mm. combination has actually helped me a lot from the career perspective so right. that's that's one point from a general perspective being a cfa makes me strong in theory mm. because cfa is all about tools techniques and this and that and mba has helped me to gain a holistic view of running how a business runs and not only from a finance perspective but overall your uh, strategic thinking your managerial hr uh, operations. hr operations and all those kind of things so you can easily gel well into a kind of a corporate role with a very focused knowledge about the field of finance so i'm going to jump in here because one of the things i've noticed about most cfa chart holders and ca students and you probably agree with me let's say most finance people right they're not very good at dealing with people ah i was coming they, to that topic <laughs> actually the skills strong soft skills weak yes do you think your mba education helped you polish yourself very as much, a person very much so and you are right uh, mostly the people who are i would say kind of nerds mm. or who like like to study a lot yeah they are not good at the social aspect of the thing the soft skills which are very much necessary in the industry today they lack uh so the cfa is actually what makes you strong theoretically but you also need some courses like mba which will make you strong by soft skills and knowing things about the world uh there are a lot of suggestions for the students as well but i think let's let's take that uh, towards the end of the uh session uh and and you know i had already covered two points how cfa and mba both had helped me there is a third point as well which i would say that after 8 years of experience i would say that being both from an mba from a tier 1 college of mba and you know cfa charter holder gives me an opportunity to enter that elite group of alumni mm-hmm. uh who have both of these uh, things which not many people have true, true. so that has helped me networking with very much of like minded and influential people globally I mean, one is a CFA network in India, and and you you already a volunteer with CFA India Society, yes, yes, and I active yeah. uh, on LinkedIn otherwise. Yep. And then you have the whole I am uh, indoor and exactly, network, which I'm exactly. sure is also quite active. It is quite active. It is quite active. And like I said, these days networks everything. Yeah, yeah. So network is everything, and that that is what I have realized in the last one and a half years in this this kind of a role, uh, when I have switched from IB to PB, hmm. which. Um, you had also uh, we had discussed uh, yeah. before this session that why have you 
chosen a career from investment banking to a private banking we'll talk about that yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. is yeah. this is yeah. this a question <laughs> okay all right, <laughs> all right. Good. so next question is so <laughs> you went from data analyst then you did your cfa right um, did your mba yeah. uh, you, you, then you went from uh, investment banking to what you're doing right now which is private banking which yep. is wealth management yep. which is where you manage money of very rich, yes. very rich people right yes. so you're very close to very rich people Uh, why the switch? Because I would have thought like investment banking is the dream job for many people, right? You worked in Australia for a while. Yes. You worked in Deutsche Bank in India for a while. So talk me through that. Again, just like I was touching on this point, this is a very interesting uh, decision which I had made uh, last year mm-hmm. and a very rare one. Basically, generally, what people actually do from IB, they they try to go into a VC or a PE kind of a firm, a venture capital, a or venture capital equity. or a private equity firm, mm-hmm. right? But what I did was a completely different thing. I have observed people from private banking to move into investment banking, mm-hmm. but I have done the other way around. Mm-hmm. And what led me to this decision? I'll I'll just uh, focus on this. That you know, this uh, firstly, you know, whatever you are studying, CFA L one, L two, L three focuses on portfolio management. True. so whatever i had studied actually i was not utilizing it in complete holistic way mm. it was the first reason i thought that uh, in india and second point is in india that there is a lot of scope for portfolio management and wealth advisors wealth management kind of a thing why is that briefly before we continue so lot of uh, middle class are actually uh, doing well in their careers in their lives and the 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 studies say that in india in the next 5 years we'll have X uh, percent. I think that is a twenty percent growth in the number of HNIs. Wow! Okay. And uh, we know that in tier one cities like Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, this, these guys are well covered. Hmm. But then India is a vast country. We have lot of tier two, tier three, and even tier four uh, cities or towns where there are a lot of industries. There are people, but they have no clue about what equities and what mutual funds and what all these things are. It's a huge uh, industry to tap in. So there was a lot of scope. so that that was a point in, uh, uh, which i wanted to make that uh, i looked at the scope of the industry and i had my interest aligned with it i was always interested in the equities mutual funds and all those things obviously i went entered into investment bank because i enter i wanted to mm-hmm. and then obviously i got placed from the campus so that that happens uh, that thing that interest in this industry was always there right then lately i would also like to highlight what i realized in the probably the final year of my investment banking last year when i was there that this is a very interesting story you know uh, my md over there uh, he at used to be at deutsche at deutsche yeah. he used to be a star analyst in his days i heard about his stories that he okay. was one of the youngest Equi- person equity analyst uh oh. not equity analyst uh, the the analyst uh, who makes the valuation models okay. and the yeah. the reports and all those okay. things but he was he is one of the youngest people in india to become an md I observe him today. What is he doing? He is just on calls. He is meeting people. He is saying that he is pitching Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. What is he doing? He is doing sales. You are always a cost till till the time you are an analyst or an associate. Mm-hmm. But you, when you start becoming senior in your career, you have to bring in revenues. True. To bring in revenues, you need to interact more with the clients. Agreed. More with the people. You mm-hmm. need to bring in money. You need to do sales basically. Then I observe that if I want to be closer to the clients. in an investment banking i would have taken 3 or 4 more years in this kind of a role and i got an opportunity with edelweiss where i am currently working i got this opportunity to directly deal with the clients right from day one mm-hmm. because i have to build my own book mm-hmm. and this sales skills you know which is very much in, and i have observed with lot of uh, students of finance nobody wants to learn sales no. they think that sales is uh, a menial task and Correct. why should i do sales mm-hmm. 
बट एंड आई वॉज वन ऑफ दम बट आई रियली वॉन्ट टू टेल ऑल दी ऑडियंस दैट नो बॉस सेल्स इज वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट एट लीस्ट यू नीड टू लर्न हाउ टू स्पीक हाउ टू नेटवर्क एंड ऑल दीज थिंग्स दीज विल बी वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट इन द लेटर स्टेजेस ऑफ योर लाइफ द अर्लियर यू पिक पिकअप दीज स्किल्स इट्स बेटर फॉर यू इन योर करियर वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग because we are all so we were or we were we were so technically focused i remember when i was young yeah i used to look at people who were like partner level you know in the big four and say yeah this guy doesn't have technical skills as much as you know other people why is he a partner well it turns out he's a partner because he can sell and he can lead and and that's true for big four is true for consultancies is true for private banking is true for asset management right at some level it ceases to be about pe and uh, pe ratios and cash flows and 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 formulae and models I'll give you some quick examples over here. People would have been following who, who see the news channels and all. Everybody knows Rakesh Junjunwala. Right, of course. Everybody would know Nilesh Shah from Kotak. Right. Uh, even Rashesh from Edelweiss. Those guys are not sitting with the financial ratios and analyzing all these things. What are they doing? They are they are speaking. They are conversing with the cloud with the audience. So this speaking skill. So whosoever you would you name anybody, any CEO, anybody in the top management. they are very good at their speaking skills mm-hmm. so this this focus beat your uh, ceo of a bank or a ceo of an nbfc or a cio he has to do this a cio you would say oh, okay so mr xyz is a cio of this fund so he would be just running some uh, financial models or this and that mm-hmm. no his Who's team not? does that for him and his team and nobody knows who his team is everybody knows kotak amc guy is nilesh shah right motilal guy is uh, uh, you know uh, mr ramdev agrawal because they are good speakers and they are always on the tv speaking to someone so this skill is i would say is a must have right okay so so we talked about successes learnings uh, great openings you know uh, working in multinational companies and you know, banks and switching over to your dream career so now let me talk about something you know different What are the three yep. worst things that happened in your career? Tell me <laughs> briefly and why. Because you know, everyone talks about success. You go to LinkedIn, yeah, yeah, you go to yeah, social yeah. media. It's all about failure how I made it. Failure stories is what actually you people know, don't no want. No one to. talks about failures, but yeah. I want you to talk about failures. Tell me about it. So see, let me think about it. So one thing which comes to my mind instantly is that when I was in my Deutsche Bank career, initial two two and a half years, I spent. Uh, serving the australia uh, real estate sector reits that was actually reits mm-hmm. yeah in india it has just recently come but mm-hmm. in other developed nations reits is a su- sector which has been there for like lot of years right. um so generally what happens is that i was sitting in india and catering to the australian team and i was also in a part of uh, uh, i i went to sydney for over like about a year uh but then ob- obviously it was a dream to settle in sydney for a longer for for lifetime let's say so it needed to be a conversion which i would have got from my employer from deutsche bank to move permanently from india to sydney rather than doing up and down uh but this was due to some regulatory stuff and deutsche's uh, whatever scenario was there i could not actually make it uh, in in time to that list if i could have waited for one more year i might have mm-hmm. but uh, that is a regret where i would say luck played a part and i could not get into uh, that uh, permanent uh, relocated to sydney uh another part where i would like to focus is that uh, because i have always been into different kind of fields you know i started with the data analyst then became an uh, australian investment banker then india then private banker i have always been a generalist hmm. i've never been a specialist and today what i have observed in the market is that if you are a specialist you actually make a lot more money <laughs> so this is what i have never actually felt uh, really because for me the learning is more important 
but uh, somewhere down the line you would also think okay if i had followed one path then probably i would have been earning much more today but here's a very interesting very important question viva because a lot of people ask me the same thing right should mm-hmm. we is it okay to keep jumping jobs or should i stick to the same area from the beginning but then the question becomes how which sector do i stick to because i still haven't discovered my passion or my purpose or what i enjoy doing so in hindsight you might think that you jumped too much but in hindsight you also learned a lot and in hindsight maybe the jumping was required to take you to where you are now so what are your thoughts on that i mean can one become a specialist from day one i mean you can because you know sometimes what you are doing you start loving it and you just think i'll learn more and more of these things but as i explained about my life story that i always want to learn more and more about the different fields as well i thought that okay two and a half years was more than enough to learn about the reit sector and then probably two years to learn about the ecm in in deutsche i need to learn something else mm-hmm. uh, so it's not you know it's not a, a formula that will drive everybody it it depends upon what you want to do and as i said somewhere or the other sometimes it may happen that if you are a generalist uh you might get into managerial roles where you know everything but if you are a specialist you generally keep on getting hikes and hikes and you move up the ladder um i am not generalizing it that if you are a specialist you will always get more salary than a generalist hmm. uh, it just happened with me uh but you are right a person who is just starting his career yeah. he, he never knows that what all fields are available there exactly. so for example when i was data analyst i just know that there is a f- good field which is called finance hmm. but then finance has hundreds of other it's, things it's as huge. well what do you want to do in finance you want to become an investment banker you want to become a private banker you want to become a private equity guy so you just keep you just need to keep exploring it and explore in a very much accelerated fashion talk to people in the industry talk to senior guys in the industry tell him that what you like what all career prospects would be good for for you and then obviously get a download and think about it what do you want to do in life and and one thing which i i did not do it but i would rather suggest everyone to do it is network hmm. keep talking to people linkedin is a very strong platform which people have got who are introvert who cannot speak directly to people you can just write your queries and True. can connect with lot of industry leaders and get inputs so do that so just just, just get idea about all the fields and make a quick decision so basically network learn a lot connect with mentors and keep switching until you find what you're looking for exactly exactly probably now what what i feel is after three career uh, job change uh, job change probably this uh, private bank i am liking private banking role i am liking and mm-hmm. this might be the thing which i'll stick to now for mm-hmm. for the remainder of my you know working life you, you never know you, you know, know but you never know you never know <laughs> you never know you never know there's there's never that stage where you know everything <laughs> so which, which brings me neatly to the next question so Uh, I know you did you did a lot. You you do a lot of volunteering work with CFA Institute yeah. and everything yeah. else. So, what self development project are you working on now, or what projects are you working on now? Tell me about those. I have always been a student. I think learning never stops. So there was a point in time in my investment banking career when I 